This is the Word of God from the household of David Church. It is a message designed to raise men after God's own heart. Listen and be blessed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome this fine, fine, fine girl. Help me welcome Pastor Mildred. No, please keep clapping for her. Let her come. Please keep clapping for her. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Praise God. May hey, Pastor K bless you. Then can we show him some more love, please? I was enjoying myself so much. I was just saying, this man should just continue, Abby. So we should call him back. He has like 15 more. Should we call him back? <laughs> Praise God. Um, please be seated. Pastor Shola, thank you, Pastor Abi. Thank you so much for having us. Um, it's as if this um, generosity of heart runs in your family because we just came from Leicester and they literally spoiled us there. As we're driving their protocol away, every time you come, you come with food. Leicester, my clothes will not enter me again. <laughs> Praise God. Um, it's been a roller coaster this week. Um, preaching all over the place, but we're so excited to be here. Praise God. And um, this is my first time ministering here, even though I've been here before. And you guys have an amazing church and an amazing choir. I can't get over your choir. Amazing. Amazing. The anointing in this hall is phenomenal and obviously flows from the head. So celebrate yourselves one more time. Okay, so I'll just try to um, piggyback off some of the things Pastor K has already said. So I'll start from Proverbs 22, uh, verse 28. I want to read it in three different versions, and then um, I'll share one of the, some of the things that God had dropped in my heart. Um, let's start with King James. Proverbs 22, 28, King James says, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. Message translation of that same scripture says, Don't stealthily move back the boundary lines staked long ago by your ancestors. In other words, don't use, don't use style style to move it back. Small, 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 small. And that seems to be what's happening these days. We're not totally changing everything, but we're moving back the line small, 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 small. You know, and we're gradually moving to the edge. And the problem with standing too close to the edge is that one day you can fall over. Now look at the Passion Translation, which is where I'm really going. I love this translation. It says, the previous generation has set boundaries in place. Don't you dare move them just to benefit yourself. Hmm, it's good, Abby. I'll read it again. It says, the previous generation has set boundaries in place. Don't you dare move them just to benefit yourself. Now, the previous generation here talks about our parents' generation. Okay? So the ancient generation, some of the ancient truths that we've heard over time. Somehow, we've gradually begun to move from some of those things. And I'll give you a few of them today and one of the reasons why we shouldn't move, some of the reasons why we shouldn't move from them. 
the first one here is that our parents understood. But let me do a disclaimer. Our parents would maybe did not get it 100%. Okay? But one of the things I've learned over time is don't criticize things you should be learning from. And that's what I noticed that a lot of people in this generation do. They go to social media and they go after the fathers. They abuse the fathers. And you are criticizing something that you should be learning from. You're making fun of fathers when you haven't got to where they are. You don't know what they've seen. You don't know what they've been through. And you don't know how you will react when you are in their position. But we are so quick because we can buy data. We feel we can say anything we need to say. So even though their, their marriages sometimes were not perfect, but there's a lot we can learn from them. The first thing they understood is what marriage really is. Number one, the Bible is very clear that marriage is between a man and a woman. Unfortunately, we have changed it a bit to say that marriage is between two people who love each other. You see, it sounds good. We are steadily moving the boundary lines. What they don't define for you is that when they say two people that love each other, it can also mean two people of the same sex that love each other. So we are running with marriage is between two people that love each other. Marriage is between two people that love each other, but we're not asking the other questions. We're not looking as closely as our parents did. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Any other thing is not marriage. And as Christians, we must be very clear about that. That marriage is between a man and a woman. The Bible says male and female created it them. That's why the Bible makes it very clear that it is Adam and Eve, like Pastor K said, not Adam and Steve. So a man will leave his father and his mother and he will cleave to his wife. A man. So there's an order. Even from that, it tells us that it's the man that initiates. I'm, not going, I'm trying very hard not to go over some of the things Pastor K has said, but it's just the absolute truth. They understood that the, the man was the head of the home. So the man would take initiative and go after the woman. And the woman had first right of choice. She would say yes or no. And if you say yes, the Bible is very clear that you must submit to the person that you've said yes to. So in that generation, they were very clear on the fact that the man has to be a leader. These days, where are the men? I can't count the number of women that I counsel and they are depressed. And a lot of times I laugh because women are enablers. You are dating a guy. Every time you go out, he can't find his wallet. It's time to pay. That's when you say, babe, <laughs> um, just sort this out. I'll give you later. Count him to find my wallet. Every time you go out with him, he can't find his wallet. He can't pay bills. He's not moving forward. Every time he's borrowing money from you. And you are still moving on with that relationship. I can't count the number of women who have paid for entire weddings. And the man did not put a dime. And then you get married. And you wonder why he's not paying school fees. Can't pay school fees. He can't pay school fees because you started that way. There's someone I know, and I've shared this story many times. There's someone I know. She married, she married to, I don't, well, they're not married anymore. Which is not, you know, which is not what we trust. We trust God that you will stay married because you will be happily married in the name of Jesus. Now, this particular woman, she and this guy had been dating, finally got married. They have children. She had been paying all the bills. He started in relationship and he had plans. When they got married, it was an, I'm planning to. You know I'm planning to. You know them, Abby. And they have big dreams. How they will make 600 billion, but they can't make 600 naira. 
how they have ah if i just travel see i have see i have the projections i have my five-year plan my 10-year plan i have business plan they always have plan but they don't do anything with the plan so this woman married and i'm planning to they got married they had three children house rent she paid wedding she paid school fees she was paying and every day she goes out to work he's at home planning to get a job and this is where it really breaks my heart because women, women don't even know how to marry. We don't know how to marry. We do as if every man that comes into our life is doing us a favor. And I don't know if it is the conditioning. But the Bible says that he that finds a wife, finds a good thing and obtains favor. So in other words, you are the prize. So you are the reason why the man should do everything to get you. Not that you are, any man that comes, you are, you are rushing to get married. So this woman gets married, she's paying all the bills, everything. One day she's in the office. So because what she could afford was to live in Ikorodu, even though she was working on the island, that was what she could afford to pay because she was paying school fees for three children. She was in the office and her husband called her. Where are you? Where are you? She says, be coming, be coming. She left her office, took Ted Mainland Bridge and drove all the way to Ikorodu and got home. And her husband was sitting on the sofa and turned and said, oh, I was calling because DSTV don't expire. True story. I kid you not. True story. True story. Even pure water in the house. He will wait till she comes back. And let me tell you, this is not a fast first story. I'm a counselor and I've been doing this for a while. This is what we see in marriages. Because women are enablers. When we were growing up, our parents' generation were very clear on what leadership meant. Leadership meant that they would provide. And I'm not saying that that's, I mean, Pastor K has clarified for us. Because one of the blessings we have in this generation is that we don't need to move the landmarks. We just need to build on it. So if the man should provide seven things, let him even at least provide one. Our parents' generation were providing one. Now they're not providing anyone. They're not providing money. They're not providing physical security. They're not providing spiritual security. They're not providing emotional security. They're not providing anything. These days, it looks like the women are the ones marrying. The men are doing absolutely nothing. But I know that will not be your case in this house in the name of Jesus. I know that there are strong men in this house. I said there are strong men in this house. So women are struggling with submission these days because there are no leaders. So the campaign on social media, and you see, whether you like it or not, social media forms culture. And it's forming culture, and that culture is gradually seeping into the church. Because the people on social media are also the people in church. So everything they hear on social media, they take it, and they just run with it. Our parents understood that the man was the head, and he was the head, not just because he was a title, but he was performing the job of a head. He was a leader. And so I'm very scared for women. Because these days, everyone is complaining about why should we submit? Why should we submit? Why should... The reason why people are complaining about submission is because there are no leaders. Every woman will submit naturally. Women are created to submit. We're very adaptable. Even the way our body is created, we're created to receive, not to give. So women are, are, are natural. When it comes to submission, they, they are naturals. So every time I hear people or women campaign against submission, I know that there's already a problem. And the problem is the person they pick to submit to. Because the person is not a leader. 
Every woman submits. If you're a woman and you make your hair, if you've ever been to a salon, you submit now. The reason why I say salon is because I want to use saloon. Do you know saloon? There's saloon and there's salon. Women, you know what I'm talking about. So when you go to saloon, that small girl that does not have respect, that is chewing gum, but you know she can braid hair. Ah, her braid is fine. So you will go there. When you get there, as rude and as badly behaved as she is, you say, until waiting, they're fine. What's in the divine again? No, they do it for you. You say, I won't do my hair. You go, wait, so I'm busy. What do you do? You wait. Do you want to do fine hair or not? So you wait. As you're waiting there, she's busy gisting with her friend about the Z world they watched yesterday. Then after she has finished gisting, she's satisfied. She's like, Auntie, hey, what do you say you want to do that time? You say, I want to do my hair. She said, I want you to follow me. What do you do? You follow. Do you want to do hair or not? That submission. You follow her. She will get the way they're washing hair. She'll say, Auntie, you go wash your hair. Oh. Me, I know they like to do dirty hair. What do you do? You sit down to wash your hair. What's that? Submission. And she's washing your hair. You say, Auntie, you go bend your hair, go back. Oh. You bend your head, go back because you want to do your hair. What is that? Submission. She played, rushes your hair roughly. You don't even complain too much because why? You want to do your hair. All those things you are doing, what is that? It's submission. Okay, you are driving. As you are driving on the road, last man just stands in front of your car and say, Stop! What do you do? Why are you submitting now? I thought you said submission is difficult. Women are not created to submit. But you can submit. Even traffic lights will turn red and you will stop. What's that? It's submission. So when I hear the argument, if you don't stop at that traffic light, what happens? You can't have an accident. And if you live outside this country, you will get a fine. And usually people don't want to die. So they will stop at the traffic light. What's that? That's submission. So you're natural, naturally, everyone, not even only women, everyone is created to submit. Okay, let's move to your office. I know a lot of you work. You have a very wicked boss that is very disrespectful, rude, everything. But if he says, I want that document first thing on my table tomorrow morning, what do you say? Sir. Yes, sir. But when you come home, my husband says, I, I, she may ask you to do something. Eh, don't tell me nonsense. Because I've been managing it for you in this house. But somebody just said what's to you in your office. Somebody just insulted you in your office. And yet, the only thing you said was, yes, sir. Usually, when people start campaigning against the natural order of love and respect, it's usually because there's a leadership problem. Our parents were very clear on it. And in their generation, it was a bit easier for them. Because the man would naturally be older. Maybe he would give his wife another 10 years. Or he would be richer. Things are changing, but that does not mean we should throw away the old landmarks. The Bible is the final authority. The Bible says if you pick someone to marry, you should submit to that person. If you pick someone to marry, you should love that person. In those days, our parents understood love as provision. They would provide for their wives, provide for the wife's children. That, they didn't have to be doing romantic things. Nobody has time for that. Before you are going out to you kiss your wife, God, I don't know well. Maybe you saw your parents. I never saw my parents kissing all those things. They, they were very happy. They would laugh. 
pay bills. My children are going to school. Bring money. This one, we, you know? Everything was... In this generation, we now have all the romantics. So there's plenty kissing. There's plenty picture on Instagram. Plenty picture on social media. There's different things. But the real foundational things, like Pastor K said, it's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. And it's very sad because... If this generation is like this, I wonder what the next generation will be like. I see this problem didn't start to deal. There's a story in the Bible that fascinates me. And I feel like that story is in the Bible somehow to warn us, but we kind of miss it. We focus on another part of that, that the scripture. So the first thing you will hear is, maybe there's a problem in Nigeria. What do Christians always say? They say it is... I can't hear you. It is. Are you angry? They say it is what? It is well. And so that particular woman I want to talk about, the one thing we learned from her is how to say it is well. The Shunammite woman. This woman got married. She, she had a husband in the Bible. And that man, I don't, I don't even know how that woman married that man. But anyhow, when you're introduced to the woman, the Bible tells us that she found out that Elisha was a man of God and she went to her husband and said, let's build him a room so that anytime he passes, he can stop here and he can rest and all of that. And then her husband said, it's okay. If you want to do it, do it. That's fine. And then she finally does that. And then Elisha says, he, I mean, he enters the room and he's so blessed and he says, what does this woman want? And Gehazi says, oh, this woman doesn't have a child. So he says, if I be a man of God, by this time next year, you have a child. And true to his word, this woman has a child. Someone that's waiting for children for years. And then the Bible tells us that one day, this child was on the farm with his father. And then he said, my head, my head. And his father said, take him to his mother. Ah, wait too. Don't be angry. Me, I waited eight years for children. No? So if my child didn't say my, I don't know whether it's my head they want to see on my leg or my fingernail. I don't know. I'm already in... You know, at least everybody should be conscious that this is a miracle child. And it's even only one. One child. The boy was with his father. And he said, my head, my head. And the father said, carry him to his mother. I don't know how a woman like that can marry a man that is so spiritually ignorant. Because the next few lines of that story even makes it worse. And that unfortunately is what we are seeing today. Girls who want to be... Serious Christians who want to raise godly children are marrying men who are ungodly. Because the Christian brothers in church are waiting to finish all their projects or they are planning to. So they are getting older, so they want to marry. So they marry anything. And so this woman carried the boy and he's laid down on her lap and died. And then she sent a message to her husband that she wants to go and see the man of God. Then I said, ah, it's today midweek service. Why do you want to go and disturb Pastor Shola? Is today, are you doing special meeting? Your son just died. She, he didn't even ask. That said, hey, how is the boy, by the way? He didn't ask any questions. He was just content. And those are the kind of men that unfortunately some women are carrying to join themselves with. I pray that will not be you in the name of Jesus. Another thing the older generation understood was commitment. I know we, we do sweeter vows now than they did. Their vows were very simple. Do you take this person to be your lovely wedded husband in sickness and in health for richer, for poorer, till death do us part? And then they say what? This generation, we don't like those kind of vows. Though. 
We say for richer, for richer. In all other circumstances, for as long as we both shall live. But you see, whether or not, whether you say the words or not, life will throw things at you. In marriage, there will be challenges. Well, you see, these days, we're so focused on the wedding that we have no time to think about the marriage. And this is something we can learn from our parents. They didn't even have big weddings, though. Most of them didn't have big weddings. Most of them didn't have cake. They didn't have all those things. But they stayed in the marriage 50 years, 60 years. My father just went home to be with the Lord. He, they had been married for 50-something years. Pastor K's parents were married for over 50 years before his dad went home to be with the Lord. 50. Do you know, some of you are not even 50. Some of you are not even 25. 50 years of living with another human being. Do you think the person, the, the person was not annoying? Do you think they did not offend each other? Do you think there were times she told her husband something and he did hear? But she stayed there. There were times they quarreled. They were there. But these days, after we've done big wedding, and we're on Bella Niger, we're on all the blogs, we're everywhere. We order cake from different places, order dress from Milan, order shoe from France, order jewelry, the rings from Italy. We do all of those things. And then two months after, in fact, these days, if you buy a shwebi, you may not have collected it from Taylor before they break up the marriage. That's how bad it is now. People have no staying power anymore. And that's the one thing that I think we need to learn from our parents. Let's not move that ancient landmark of making marriage till dead do us part. One day, somebody sent a message to me on Instagram. And she said that God will punish me. Because... I'm teaching women how to stay in marriages that are killing them. So normally, those kind of people, I don't answer them. I was intrigued that what will make somebody be thinking, why, is, why, why would you think this way? And she said, because I said that marriage is a covenant, it's the death was part. First of all, I didn't say marriage is a covenant, God did. It's not me that wrote the Bible. It's there. But for someone to think that staying married is me teaching women to be punished. You are the one that chose us, but you did not marry at gunpoint. It has now reached, it's now me that is the witch that God should punish. And that's why we shout and shout and shout. Make sure you choose right. See, the best thing you can do for yourself in this life is to marry well. That's the best thing. Because this marriage is for life. And I know that these days, everybody's saying, if it doesn't work, just carry your bag and go. If it doesn't work, but Jesus said from the beginning it was not so. It is the hardness of your heart that made him allow divorce. That's not God's original plan. So I know that a lot of people are saying, ah, if it doesn't work, carry your bag and go. So divorce is now everywhere. One of the things that I learned when I got married, God asked us a question, and we used to teach people all the time. If you are in a room, and there are no windows and there are no doors, let's assume this place, there's no way to get out. It's the walls are all plastered. Just imagine that with me. Can you picture that in your mind? I can't hear you. Can you picture that in your mind? Let's assume there's no window, there's no door, there's no way of escape. We are locked inside this place. And fire starts in that place where those camera people are. What will you do? We will try to put out the fire. Because there's no way out. Either we put out the fire or we die. So we will be there trying to put out the fire. But... If there's one window, just this one window is open, what will we do? We will all run out. 
And that's how people are entering marriage. They are entering marriage having at the back of their minds that there's one window of escape. That if this thing doesn't work, I'll just carry my bag and I'll be going. And that's why marriages are not working today. Our parents knew that once you are married, you are married. The only way you are coming back to that, your father's house is dead body. You are married. When I, was, <laughs> when I was getting married, my eldest brother called me just a few days to my wedding, maybe like two days to my wedding. And my parents used to live um, in a duplex. So we live, my parents' house live, was at the center of our street. So we're just right at the center. So he called me, he said, come, come, come. So I came outside. I stood outside with him. I said, you did see this road? Because there's a street that runs across. So my parents, if you're standing on the balcony, you can just see the street. My brother was like, you did see this road? I said, eh. He said, eh, you know they see this road. You did see this road? I say, eh, they see him. He said, I say, you know they see this road. Ah. He said, Shoma, you did see this road? And I kept quiet. He said, you know they see the road? You know why you know they see the road? Because road no day here again. As you don't go your husband's house, this road... <laughs> And that sometimes is how some of us will see. You see, the reason why you are going back is because you know somebody is waiting to open the door for you. Uh, but when you go to your parents' house and you eat meat, your mother is checking, what are you doing there again in the kitchen? After a while, you advise yourself and go and settle with your spouse. They had issues, but they settled it. That's what maturity is. Now, I'm not talking about being in an abusive relationship. I'm not talking about where they want to kill you, they are beating you. That's not what I'm talking about. But little quarrels. I hear people live over silly things, things that should not break marriages. Just small thing, you say, I'm done. I'm done, I can't, I can't. Somebody asked, oh God. Today, and when they, you see, when they want to even say this thing, they'll be speaking one nonsense for Ned, I don't even know where it's coming from. Pastor, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm done. And, <laughs> God. I don't want to be speaking all those my proverbs here, but I don't, you see, we've not even washed beans, so how is my moist smelling? You have no, you have not, nothing has happened. Nothing, you know, when they say some of the things that the way he spoke to me, I said, Nothing has happened though. That he spoke to you, how? <laughs> but that's what we do in marriage, we offend each other every day. That's why marriage is about forgiveness. Every day, he will, he will offend you, he will say sorry, and you will do it again tomorrow. Notice I say he, not she. <laughs> Women, we are well behaved, we do offend more than once. If your husband says he doesn't like something, we don't do it again. But men, they don't used to hear words. Mm. <laughs> I'm holding the mic when I finish. You can preach what you want. So they understood commitment. They understood that it was still dead to us part. It's something we shouldn't throw away. We should be concerned about how we are just walking out of marriages. People are married three times, four times. And siblings are now confused. You have one for this man, I have one, another one for the second one, I have the... In the future, brother and sister will be marrying because they don't even know who their father is at the rate at which we are going. Another thing the older generation understood was they valued counsel. I don't know how you grew up, but those days, there was always one auntie in the family that if there's family problem, everybody goes to us. Maybe it was your mother. She was always giving counsel. Now, this generation, they think they know what to do. Even the Bible says, let the older wives teach the younger ones how to love their husbands. There's a place for counsel. In the multitude of counsel, there's safety. That's what the Bible says. There's nothing you are going through that is not common to man. The way your husband spoke to you, that's the, how they speak to all of us. The way my husband does not, that's how the, they all behave. 
The way my wife, that's how all of us are. There's nothing, see, it is not peculiar to you. Life is not against you. The only reason why you are thinking it's such a big deal is because you've not asked anybody else. Everybody's going through something. We're just learning how to manage it with maturity. But you, you will come outside. My husband, my husband, everything we know about your husband, you are the one that told us. Hmm. I do one. There's problem everywhere, but we're managing it. We're working with God's wisdom. A wise woman builds her home because she knows what she's supposed to do. A man too asks for counsel. I see women, let me help you. Because this thing, eh, when I first got married, I told her, ah, because the Bible says that his heart does safely trust in her. So every time I give my husband counsel, we take it. So you will advise him, he'll go and do what he wants to do the first time. The thing will backfire. You advise him the second time, he'll go and do what he wants to do. The thing will backfire. Especially when it came to our finances. When we first got married, I couldn't understand how a human being can eat everything he ends. And he would justify it all. Pascal would tell me that, ah, uh ah. -uh. So if Jesus come now, uncle. <laughs> see, this morning, see, the Lord has blessed you. Enjoy. See, Enjoy. He said, what, what do you want to do? You want to leave for the children? They will not value. They will eat it anyhow. The money they will not work for. He will just go out, come back. There was one day he went out, came back with one dog. 250,000 naira dog. <laughs> we have not seen money to eat. So he used to do all those kind of crazy things. He would just, and you see, because he was earning, he, he would just find that, Shabi, I'm making money, I'm making money. You are making money, but you are spending it at the same rate at which you are making it. So that's a poverty cycle. And so every time I would tell him this, he would not even answer me. Do you, but do you know what I realized? It's not only your husband, though. All men are not externally motivated. They are internally motivated. Men don't hear from... The, this thing is decoration, this thing. <laughs> they hear from here. I'm telling you. I'm te see, I want to set some women free. See, when you get home today, tell us something I doesn't hear. Eh? Go and kneel down and pray. Let me tell you why. Because the heart of the king is in God's hands. That tells me that men hear it with their hearts, not their ear. And God turns it whichever way he, not the way you will, oh, the way God wills. So you can be here vibrating. I, will, I want us to do this, I want us to do this. If it's not God's will, not sin. So you just go and kneel down and pray. So one day I was complaining to my pastor. I said, Papa, I don't know. I've been telling Pastor this thing since, so he's not answering me. And I said, hey, what? After I finished telling him, he said, don't worry. A few days later, Pastor K came to the house, very excited. He said, ah, I just spoke to Rev today. Oh. Ah, Rev just said this thing, the thing just clicked. <laughs> ah. I say, I wanted to say it. I just said, let me keep quiet and be watching. I wanted to say, is it not this thing that I've been telling you since? So I said, I'm not telling him anything. I just speak before and I say, ah, Papa. Ah, Pastor Key came back today and was very excited about that thing I told you that he said you told him. And I say yes. Because every time a wife tells her husband something, he's nagging. But when his pastor tells him, it's revelation. You see counsel? You see how counsel has saved my life? So anytime I want to tell him anything, now nah, don't bother. I just pick up my phone and say, Rev, Papa. My husband will come back. Mark my words. Ah, honey, you won't believe it. It's what I just figured. My man, I'm like, mm. <laughs> I say, okay. If you say so, sir. Ah, very. And that's what I love about you. You are such a wise man. Ah, and the fact that you even hear God. Ay, 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 ay. 
Be praising him. See, when you praise men, they rise up to the occasion. When you say, I can't, why are you touching a useless man? I'm so disappointed in man. He's like, I am a useless man. I will show you useless. In our family, we are useless. You have not seen useless. I'm coming. If you, are, if you are already disappointed in him, a man doesn't see any need to rise up to the occasion. You are Kukuma disappointed. Let him go and be doing another thing with his life. Why was he trying when he had disappointed? But we are praising him. Ah, he will rise to the occasion. So you have to even want to see, and you learn these things from counsel. Some things you are struggling about. See how I was set free. That if the pastor tells him his revelation, and me have been there nagging since morning. Set free. That generation understood counsel. Before they get married, you, you, your aunties will come and visit your mother. She will sit down, download. Some of the counsel at that time was not good. But make sure it's scriptural counsel. And you will be safe. Another thing that our, our parents' generation understood. And the reason why I'm bringing all these things to light is because we should not remove these landmarks. These things are still important. I don't care what generation we are in. Some things are still important. Another thing they understood was that families, that marriage was to bring families together. Marriage was to bring families together. You know those days, they won't marry just anybody. Before they marry, they will go and do investigation. They will go and find out in that family is there madness. In that family is there disease. In that family, is there a cause following them? Are they poor? Are they this? They will go and find out. They will investigate. And then they tell you, there are some families we don't marry from. In the kingdom and in this generation, if you're a Christian in this season, there are some families we too we don't marry from. Mm. We don't marry unbeliever families. I don't care how much you love that person. We don't. Now, our parents did it in a racist and sometimes even tribalistic way. Because they tell you, yeah, we can't marry these people. Ah, God forbid, I can't marry this person. We don't cross breed. In the kingdom, we too, we don't cross breed. I know you like him, but you cannot be unequally yoked. There are some things we can't move. And yeah, that was her parents' generation. After all, now, we don't marry family. It's just me and him. He's a liar. He's a liar. If what he bought, they know they marry family. He's a lie. Once you are married, you are joining with another person. And that means you are joining with that person's family. Forget all these things they are speaking on social media. Your mother-in-law, you, you are the one that determines where your mother-in-law comes to your house. Okay. Want to be quarreling in your house. Okay. Somebody actually told me that her mother-in-law came to her house. And that the woman cooked in her kitchen. And she went to meet her. That why would she cook in her kitchen? I see. People have mind though in this generation. Then your mother-in-law came to visit her son. And she cook in the kitchen, and you say, you went to ask her, why should she cook in your kitchen? I say, wow, poor brave. First of all, I don't know why people like suffer in this life. I'm, I'm, I'm a baby girl for life. My mother-in-law wanna cook, she gonna cook. And while she's at it, mama, I just say, Goosey, so sweet, you will not cook a bono. When I ask her for three different soup, next time, when she comes, she go cross leg for palo. Say, this girl will not kill me. You are the one that does not know how to do it. You are angry that your mother is looking to cook. Your sister is looking to ask. She's entering your kitchen. She will enter and while she's there, she will cook for everybody. Ah, my darling, I don't have sister in law. She foresees something for my hand. Aye. I'll be dashing her things, but she will walk. You want to visit your brother? Why? Come, visit. What do you want? You want clothes? We take. I'll go pull them from my head and give you. But before you go, my darling, you see, in the backyard, there are some clothes there if you can help me. 
Uh -huh. And your brother likes to iron everything. Even his boxer, please help me as your brother. Now you know I saw said post. Why are you fighting? Why are you fighting people that have God has sent to bless you? Every time we talk about Ruth in the Bible, people make it seem as if Ruth it was about husband. It was not about husband. The love Ruth had was for her mother-in-law. Ruth followed a woman who must have been very hard to be with. Somebody that lost husband and two, two children. You think it is, uh, is Ruth that she's thinking about? Naomi was bitter. In fact, she was so bitter that when she got back to Bethlehem, she, when they came in, Naomi is back. She said, please don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The Lord has dealt with me bitterly. Don't see, I'm not here to play with you people. Can't you see that there's nothing making me happy? Why, why are you people celebrating? She was miserable. And I'm sure that as they were going on the road, if Ruth talks to her, she will hiss because she will remember that, ah, I had a son. I had a son. She must have even said it like, if I give it on that one, you wait and marry that one. I want to kill that one for me too. So she was bitter. But this girl said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. Anywhere you go is where I will go. And the place you die is where I will be buried. So she did not set out to go and find a Boaz. She was sending her mother-in-law. It was the mother-in-law that said, ah, you have served me. Let me do something for you. But this generation will make it seem as if, oh, Ruth went to chase a man. She lay down at his feet. She, she shot the first shot. She should, they're always quoting scripture that they don't understand. Yeah, so when Ruth lay at his feet, so you can lay at a man's feet. Nonsense talk. You will not read the full scripture. You will not read the full story. You will not start from beginning. You want to go, like you in Bethlehem. Oh yeah, now hook mark over your head. Do everything they do there. You will just be selective. Choose the one that will favor you. They say, don't move it. Don't you dare do it when it favors you. Don't do it. So they understood that they were marrying into families. It was so serious that if Abraham told the servant, say, put your hand under my thigh and swear that you will not find a wife for my, my, my son outside of this, my kingsman. They understood. So you don't, don't, don't marry a non-believer. I don't care how nice they are. I don't care how we do not crossbreed in the kingdom. We don't. Our parents didn't do it naturally. We don't do it spiritually. I remember I was telling Pastor K, I just said Pastor K, and I mean, I've been sharing this a lot these days. Before I got married, one of the things God said to me, he said, will you go to a mortuary and pick a husband? I say mortuary. <laughs> I said, the Holy, the Holy Spirit even talks to me, himself. I should go to a mortuary to pick a husband. He said, yes, why won't you do it? I said, ah, can somebody go and marry a dead body? He said, even if he's a handsome man. I say, handsome dead body. Even if he's rich. I say, Lord, handsome. He says, so why do you do it spiritually? Because you who are now made alive in Christ, it means you were dead, but you are now made alive. But you now go and join yourself with someone who is dead in sin. Dead body, not dead body. Whether it's physical or spiritual, he's dead. How can you connect light and darkness? But a lot of us are doing it today. Oh. We are doing it to we'll carry ourselves. You don't understand, Pastor Him. He's nice. He's dead. Pastor Him, you don't understand. He's rich. He's dead. He's dead. You can't say in Jesus' name and something quickens inside him. How can you want that kind of thing? That, they can't, that there's a challenge and he can't put his hand and hold your hand and say, in the name of Jesus. How come? He can come and say, hi, honey, I read something in the word today and it came alive in my spirit and something inside you will leap as well. 
Ay, 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 ay. See, born again marriage is sweet. Ay, very sweet. Don't let anybody lie to you. Very sweet. That you close your eyes like and God is giving you revelations. And revelation is jamming revelation in your house. And you are seeing, you are making faith moves and you are seeing results. And the things that you have said when you promise, you are seeing it today. Ah. And you don't want that one. Like to suffer. I don't understand you people. Me and Legend, see, this is the one thing I like my life eh? Enjoyment. Ah, Jesus came that I may enjoy life. And that I will enjoy it till it is full. And then it will now overflow to other people because it's too much enjoyment. Yeah, Kabo Shata. Hey! I like enjoyment, though. I've not come to this life to suffer at all. I'm a Jesus baby girl. Ah, he will take care of me. Then he will now put a physical human being to take care of me again. Ah, on every side. My father took care of me. My husband is taking care of me. And people around me, are, I'm blessed. But you don't like it. You want to marry an unbeliever. That is how you to be using your faith for things to be happening for you. We are using to say, Lord, Lord, let this man come home today. Let this man not cheat on me again. Lord, Lord, Lord. When you get married, you either choose a prayer partner or you choose a prayer point. It's up to you. It's up to you. And I'll end with this one. In our parents' generation, they use the word to parent. But we, we use internet and psychology to parents. Which of you here, I don't know, maybe you are not me, my generation, Sha, let me not say, because you are, some of you are, most of you are young. In my generation, I don't know anybody that they did not beat. Anybody here, 40 and below, that they did not beat you. Okay, let me move it up again. 30 and below, did they beat you? They beat you, Abby. Sometimes it's not even the beating. It is the, if I meet you there, it's the threat of the beating. <laughs> but this now, the internet is telling us you can't beat children. You can't tell them no because it will affect their self-esteem. You have a conversation with them. The God that made them said foolishness abounds in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction. The person that made the child is telling you that there's foolishness inside. But the rod of correction will drive it far. But you are wiser than God. Our parents' generation, they didn't have that conversation, no. God said, beat, they beat you. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Before you even do the thing, the thought of the, do you understand, the beating. I was telling them the church that we preached this morning. That I was watching one of those uh, nanny, there's one nanny program they do, shall, on TV. It's a series where this white woman comes to teach people how to train their children. And so this woman was complaining that her children never sleep in their own room at night. That they always come into her bed. So she can't put them to bed. She was really, you know, it was really disturbing them. So the man said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to do it with you. So what time do they go to bed? She said, 7 p.m. She said, okay, so we're going to have them, give them their dinner. We're going to put them to bed at 7 p.m. They took them to bed at 7 p.m. At 7.10, the children came out of the room. I went to her room. The woman said, this is what you do. You take them back to their room and tell them, you stay in your bed. It's the right thing to do. She carried them back. 7.30, they were back in her room. The woman said, you don't give up. You speak to them. You tell them. You go back to your room. Your room is where you sleep. 8 o'clock, they were back. Ah, this is what they did all night. I was watching this, you know, 
on my own. I did not know that my husband that was pretending to be doing something else was watching this thing. He said, now one slap. <laughs> one slap. Go down, reset these children since one. This woman did this thing all night. And, and they, told her, they told her to do it for a couple of weeks. When the nanny left, uh, she carried her children and all of them Kukuma went to be sleeping in her room. It's not sustainable. The people you are collecting advice from on social media, how is their own, how is their life? Child, come, Bob, Bob, don't be silly, Bob. It's, it's his father is calling Bobo. Bob. <laughs> one day, my one day, my mother was joking with us. She was gisting. So she said something that was outrageous. You know, we just gathered her. And I was in university. She was just this thing and she was saying nothing. And I just said, I just turned to her. I said, ah, mommy, is a lie. She just turned. And who is telling it? Well, I just adjusted myself. You know? I remember the beating I collected as a small child. Is what corrected me at university age. God's word can never be broken. And you can never be wiser than God. And our parents understood this. They understood that it took a village to raise a child. And I, I, I'm, I'm about to leave, but I really need to hammer this in. This, you can't tell my children what to do. You can't talk. See, that's what's causing problem today. Oh, no, 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 no. The children are just more outspoken. They are rude. They are rude. Oh, no, 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 no. The children are just more intelligent now. They are spoiled. They are spoiled. Two adults should not be talking and you just come and put mouths. And it's happening today and parents are justifying it. You can't use eye and tell your child anything again. You do like this child say, Mommy, what's wrong with your eye? When you were younger, even the Bible, even the Bible says, says that God himself says, I will guide you with my eyes. So if God can use eye to talk to you, why shouldn't you be able to use eye to talk to your children? Let me tell you, our parents may not have known it all, but they got some things right. So before you criticize, I was telling someone that you will never appreciate your parents until you become a parent. You is one or two you are raising now, you are every day. Oh, I'm so exhausted. My mental health. My mental Your mother had nine. As if she did not have mental health. Nine. And she did it all. You just two children now, you are four outside. And you are still saying your mental health. Your mental health. They did something. They did something right. They raised us. And they understood that it took a village to raise a child. Those days, if you offend, if your auntie meets you on the road, you first collect bits in there. They don't give you a bara. They want to disgrace us. And then they will now draw your ear. That ear, they will draw it to where your mother is. And your mother is just smiling. <laughs> and your auntie will say, ah, auntie, I've beaten her. It's a lie. As your auntie, your auntie will say, oh, thank you. It's not a problem. It's not a... Thank you. God bless you. As she's going, just be begging your auntie to take you with her. Because her morogu is coming out. So all this, uh, all this, you can't talk to my children. You can't. That's what's causing problem. Plantain, they rotting. We say they ripe. They understood parenting. Our parents made us memorize scripture. Now, is King James is still out for children. Which, which, other, which other version did you read? Which, and if they, are, if they are smart enough to use YouTube to figure out your password, 
they can't memorize scripture. They can't. We did sword drill. We did recitals in church. You will cram whole chapter and in your mind you are just saying what is all. I don't even understand what I'm saying. Just be saying it. It is not that you have gotten older. That the spirit of God brings to your remembrance. But he only brings to your remembrance what is already inside. The Bible says train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he grows up he will never depart from it. Our parents got it right. Today I'm here to tell you, don't remove the ancient landmarks. You can build on it, but don't remove the ancient landmarks. Were you blessed? Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And from today, I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late. You are born again. You are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.